Hey everyone, and welcome to this new episode of Co-Creating with AI. I'm Martin, with me is Rasmus, as always, and today we also have a guest. Thomas, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, so I'm one of two co-founders of a consultancy called Samson. So we help tech companies mostly with product design and design systems, and our clients range from small startups all the way up to unicorns like Spotify and Klarna. Cool. And what's your personal role at Samson? So uh, I have a design background myself. So I, I used to actually do uh, actual client work, but a couple of years ago, I, I stopped doing that and solely focusing on scaling the, the experience of Samson and scaling the, the company and uh, figuring out how to approach new client segments and uh, our offering moving forward yeah and i know uh, thomas from way back when i was running my first company and there you we you did only design right first and then you ran product for a while or do I remember yeah exactly yeah. correct so yeah. i mean I, I think i since i have like a, a uh, i view myself more as a sort of a creative i have an agency background and i i like to work on a on a conceptual level so i think i'm very i very much enjoy thinking about product as a whole uh, and i think that's also my role now at Samsung is very much, along with sales, it's very much like helping clients uh, facilitate that that process of thinking about what 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 uh, what's the purpose of our product and where where do we fit in in, that, in a larger uh, ecosystem. Very cool. And uh, now in the world of AI, where do you find yourself? Yes, I mean, <clears throat> last year was uh, obviously uh, pretty rough for the the tech industry uh, so uh, partly out of necessity but also uh, out of curiosity we started thinking about how to leverage ai and it's uh, it's new to us as for everyone else obviously uh, so we're, we're humble around the, the fact that there's lots of things to to, to learn um, but since tech is in a very tough place right now i think it's it's stabilizing a bit but is still kind of tough so we we realize we need from a just a strategic standpoint we need to reduce dependency on these like uh, high burn rate uh, consumer facing tech uh, startups uh, that are uh, obviously more subjected to risk when the when recessions hit and when consumer spend decrease so we uh, we have uh, about last spring we we felt the need to start to think about AI's place in all of this. And so the combination of AI and focusing more on business to business clients, I think is a huge opportunity for not just us, but like the, the investment space and the consultancy space as a whole. Um, so right now, just as an example, we're doing a, a project with AI in collaboration with a private equity firm. So they have an investment uh, in a company that's like a sort of legacy company as a SaaS company in the property management space. And they have a huge opportunity in scaling that product by leveraging AI. Uh, and not just by like slapping a AI shot on top of it, but actually thinking about how AI can be implemented in various contact points throughout the whole experience to actually make users' lives uh, much easier and subsequently scaling the product. So AI is a to us it's uh, it's a very interesting not so much from a design craft perspective like the the all of the like Figma plugins to uh, populate the design with content to us that's not 
like that's an incremental improvement of, of uh, the life of, of a designer. But for the industry as a whole, I think it's a huge opportunity to just automate the way tedious tasks and uh, be much smarter around uh, like data management and uh, just like a plethora of, of, of opportunities in this space, which we are very excited about. Cool. I mean, and and if you look at it like, I don't know, you've obviously kind of read and, and get inspired a lot. What's Because this is kind of a topic that we're onto quite a bit because we feel it's it's where a lot of the opportunities are for ourselves and for like entrepreneurs in general. It's like, what are the new interfaces that take kind of advantage of these new capabilities with AI, right? And I'll just take an example that I saw like literally today, which is that Google released, I think it's within Android that you can like um, draw a circle on any kind of part of a photo and then like use that as part, either like search for it, right? That's image search. They have it already, but you can also like, you know, ask, okay, how do I play this board game? If it's a picture of a, you know, specific board game. So like that was, that, that was for me, like a very nice kind of, you know, human kind of, okay, what is this? You know, it's like pointing and asking someone, right? But on the phone. Um, but I don't know, just to point it over to you, like what's uh, like what are the coolest kind of things you've seen or what are the in- innovations you've seen like from a design perspective, like as, as AI has come into our lives? Yeah, I think, I mean, there are so many different ways to, to look at, at this uh, uh, development. And I think depending on where in the value stack you, you want to focus, I think, uh, what I mentioned before, like the business to business space, we will always have, well, not always, obviously, but like for, for a foreseeable future, I think we will continue to see these uh, pockets of value uh, in, in uh, uh, business to business cases where it's highly specialized applications of AI, uh, which is very interesting. And we can do a lot of cool things for those companies specifically, or, or not just us, but like companies can do really cool things. Uh, but I think in parallel, I think if you look at the consumer experience, like wh- where will consumers spend the most time in, in with AI, I think we are seeing a trend, or at least we believe that the trend is moving towards a more uh, centralized experience. Uh, so I think what uh, I think what Google showed with Gemini and Bard, uh, this this ball is a good indication of that. So I think we will see. The the big players like uh, Google and Meta and uh, uh, Apple and uh, OpenAI or Microsoft uh, will start to build these centralized experiences where you can actually go from inspiration to intent to you know purchase or whatever the the end to end experience would would look like. So I think it's going to be like the uh, what you have with Google Search today, which is essentially a search field where you can search, you know, what year was Einstein born? And then they added, you know, you can find flight tickets and then they added, uh, you can do some light top level shopping on top of that. And I think to me, the the Bar Gemini experience is like the end game, or at least the maybe it's a couple of years away uh, well, before we see that consumers actually spending time in that type of experience. But I think, from a design standpoint, I think that's really um, exciting because, or it is interesting because when you have experiences that are like, you can search for a recipe and then the experience creates a UI on the fly to fit the content that's presented. Uh, 
then the need to dip into these specific silos, which today is like apps, uh, web pages, essentially these are silos of information and content uh, to perform very specific tasks, right? Uh, so you dip into the Uber app to perform the uh, get me a taxi task. Uh, that need will not no longer be as clear, I think, uh, or the need will be clear, but that that the solution will not be as obvious. So I think we will see a, a convergence of behavior and user needs uh, in these uh, like holistic experiences. So maybe you will just go to the whatever that product is called, like the Google experience, and just do everything in there. Yeah. So so what we 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 uh, um briefly touched on this on, on uh, the last episode or, or two episodes back that a year ago uh, when GPT-4 was new, we had a thesis that uh, what was going on as well is that every company is building AI into their apps. But what you're saying now is what we reflected on as well, that uh, um, it's more like the, the overall, the, the big players are building AI into the frame frames that hold uh, company-specific apps. So Google yeah. is building it into Search and into Chrome even, as a browser, even. And the Microsoft is building right. it into. I into mean, I, I think. Windows. I mean, it's it's logic. It's logical that we are in this current app paradigm. Yeah. So that that has uh, that's made sense from a historical perspective, uh, and it's always easy to reverse engineer the current paradigm when you're when you have all the facts, obviously. But I think. Uh, I think the consumer experiences, uh, as always, will be driven uh, around consumer purchases and, 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 and like consumption in general. So the, the vast majority of the things that consumers actually do uh, will, will um, in the end, drive what the big players are spending their money on. Uh, and I think mm. the vast majority of the time people are actually doing is like they are watching Snapchat, they are ordering sushi, and they are communicating with friends, and they are like buying sneakers, you know. So it's like these niche cases can also be solved in, in broader experiences. But I think lots of the innovation and I think the investments will be uh, drawn to uh, purchasing like these like basic cases. Yes. But if we take that, but if we take that like example with Uber, so just to paint it out, let's say I'm using my you know iPhone or my Android phone, and I'm like order me a cab, right? I want to go here to there. I don't know. I do it in voice or text or whatever, um, and then you know instead of then it it using my Uber app to do that, and then you know giving me a link that or whatever or directing me to that app where i can see you know the driver coming because maybe i want to see that i want to see how far away the driver is i want to see who it is who it is and his rating etc right um so instead of using the apps as is it would be directly in whatever this yes new ui is and and why would that be like from your perspective as a design because like I'm, i've been thinking like that as well but i'm not like i don't i'm not 100 clear on why it would be better with like a Uber map injected into chat GPT, so to say, than just, you know, directing me to the Uber app but I mean, and acting through it. If you, uh, if you look, at from, look at it from the other way around, like what is the user need to open a specific app to perform a specific task? 
uh, I mean, just the, the example you, you did with like asking Siri to to order an Uber, which I already think you can do. Uh, I mean, you probably have been able to for a while, yeah. Uh, and I think uh, that's a good example of when uh, you can you can I think you can do that with like DoorDash and, and those type apps too. That's a good example of when these apps actually they've invested a lot in into the infrastructure of providing these services. I mean, the, the complex thing with with Uber, I assume is hiring a billion drivers and like managing that whole infrastructure and the, the infrastructure around group optimization and payments and all of that stuff. The actual top layer, the user, the end user experience, I don't think it makes sense at all to, to think of that as a contained experience. I think it's, it makes much more sense to view as a, potentially as a part of a larger experience where it's like you go from uh, you know, you go from doing that to shopping sneakers and uh, booking a uh, Airbnb uh, place in the same experience because you're you're already transitioning in and out of different uh, contexts as a as a human. So why would you why would you force that into different silos of, of experience? So I think we will see a centralization of of uh, UX basically. Uh, which puts us as designers in a very peculiar situation. Like if, if these major players start to own these huge experiences, uh, um, they sort of set the rules for how these experiences and how the content would represent them and all of these things. It's, uh, it's. I mean, to me, it seems like a very different uh, landscape. So what would be your advice to, to leadership in small and medium businesses today? Uh, should they use AI for internal tools or or should they accelerate uh, innovating in AI, uh, using AI in their product offerings? I mean, I think it depends a lot on the uh, the product and the, the user type. I think it's uh, like, as I mentioned, I think if it's a, if it's a business business company, you're working with a very specific uh, industry and a specific user type. That uh, that value pocket needs a very specific set of solutions, uh, but uh, if you have a product company that is like sell I don't know insurance to uh, dog owners, uh, I think uh, I mean maybe that's a very specific case, but like I think consumer consumer facing products will probably sooner or later have to think about where do they belong in a larger uh, value stack? Uh, I think similarly to what we had, uh, I remember when I worked at Aftonbladet, one of the, the newspapers in Sweden uh, about years ago, uh, Apple and Google started, and Facebook started to address the whole like news space. Uh, so we had this discussion in the whole media industry, like where do we belong as content creators in the value stack? Do we, is it important for us to own the top level experience or is it, is our value to create the content? Uh, and uh, like inevitably they had to face that, uh, that the face of sort of losing control of the content. And we have this whole, you know, discussion about uh, who pays what to who. Uh, and I think we will see a, a similar discussion with AI. So, I mean, if, if you order, if everyone orders uh, Uber rides through a centralized experience, or through whether or not it's voice or or, or chat or whatever, 
like <clears throat> that's a huge thing potentially for for a company like Uber, and they need to mm-hmm. think about what that means to them. No, but I just think it's interesting because if you look at the operating systems, I mean, let's just take you know Android and 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 iOS, right, on mobile, like it's not a huge leap for them to just, you know, I mean, to have front page of like the first screen instead of having app symbols as the main thing, to have a UI, you know, innovation where, you know, the first thing you do is either talk to it or um, or write something or, um, you know, maybe take a photo and then, you know, say what you like, having an interaction uh, where, you use like these basic things like writing, uh, you know, photo, video, and uh, and speaking, uh, and then through that the AI, you know, you can instruct the intent of what you want, and the AI can use all these capabilities that are already there in this whole app ecosystem uh, of Uber and DoorDash and whatever, right? All those capabilities are already there, so. It could be like a really quick yeah. shift, actually. Uh, like if you just, if, if yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think it will be quicker than people are comfortable with. So, I mean, I, uh, yeah, it's 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 for sure a huge thing. I think the the uh, uh, similarly to what companies are doing in in more B two B products, where they they uh, they refine the uh, the GPT to they train it on their their own data to make it more relevant to them i think we will see a shift where the, the large players since they have they are t- on top of the, the data stack they have all your personal data they have they have your purchase history your subsequently your personal taste i mean what kind of music you listen to uh, health data uh, all of these things so I mean, they can obviously refine your personal experience to be even more personal and more relevant so i think they are in a extremely um, um pretty scary position to really make a pretty powerful thing out of this yeah at the same time they they will need to provide some kind of brand exposure in order for uh, the ser- actual service providers to not uh, reject them as as a channel yeah sure and I, I don't think there's a contradiction there i think uh, you can definitely still have a great experience uh, i mean if the if the Uber map and the time to arrival and the uh, driver's profile is all injected in this experience, I mean, it's not that different from just looking at it in the app, right? I mean, and it's all from Uber. Uh, So I don't think it's that different from from a user perspective, but it's very different Mm. from a infrastructure perspective for us, for Uber. Yeah. If we um, get back to talking about what is, actually going on uh, right now um, rather than what might happen in the future um, what's the what's the platform you are currently building for and what where are you advising companies to to put their user experiences uh, so I mean to us I mean this is this is very new to us as well so and we are not a tech company we're a design company and a product uh, a creative company uh, so in the uh, in the product equity case I mentioned uh, it's a SaaS in the in the product management space and so th- we will probably think about 
we will do different specialized agents that do specific tasks and like are really good at reading through a document and uh, or hopefully a large amount of documents and sorting them and extracting data and making it searchable and then we look at like a chat interface like a companion and that's not the experience it's just one of many uh, possibilities uh, and it's like uh, financial uh, features and, i mean there are so many things we do but we uh, at samsung we don't build that technical experience we just make sure it's feasible and then we use that as like a creative uh, soil to to come up with uh, opportunities all right and um um today if if a company would uh, look at building an internal tool and prototyping this is uh, is um, is it okay to put a, to build a custom gpt for that and have their employees work through chat gpt or should they invest in having proprietary interfaces so they retain ownership yeah i think this is uh, uh, this is the million dollar question but like my 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 gut feeling is that uh the the problem with uh, with gpt is that it has sort of forced the whole industry uh, into thinking about ai as uh, llms and as chat uh, which i think is i mean i so, sort of makes sense from where we stand but it's also a pretty arbitrary and crude experience so uh, for some reason, people expect users to become like prompt engineers and to do all of these things in a chat interface. And to me, it seems like a huge step backwards. It's like, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a worn out uh, example, but like the spreadsheet, like here's an empty spreadsheet, figured out. Mm-hmm. Like it's, uh, I mean, it, it's from a user experience standpoint, it makes zero sense to me. So I think. Yes, in some cases, if it's purely like, uh, give me the sales data for the Nordics uh, for last quarter, uh, and uh, okay, present this to me in a pie chart instead of a, you know, that probably makes sense. Uh, But very few people seem to talk about the opportunities with AI in creating actual, like, proactive experiences. So it's it's always pull rather than push for some reason, which I think is a pretty lazy approach. Yes. Uh, so, hey, here's an empty chat field. Figure it out. Pull whatever data you want. Uh, and I, I don't really see what, what problem we're solving with that. I mean, mm. we already decided uh, that we should present data to users in a, in a nice way. And then we all of a sudden decided that we should just revert back to an empty chat field. Uh, so I don't think that makes sense. So to answer your question, I think in some cases, probably, yes, uh, at least as a sort of companion uh, on top of a bigger experience. Uh, but generally speaking, try to think about it as an opportunity throughout the experience and be more, much more proactive. So how could a, a proactive AI agent work? Uh, so again, depends on the, if it's like a, a consumer case or, or a business case, but uh, in a business business case, I think there are plenty of opportunities in like, uh, you know, if you, let's say you manage a property and the AI says, okay, good morning. Uh, seems like we have an issue here with heavy weather coming in. Maybe you should 
you know, consider these actions today uh, before it's too late, because, uh, we, you know, otherwise you will end up with a whole mess tomorrow with these things. Or, I mean, there are like, and those experiences, I think, fundamentally drive huge business value because it creates stickiness in the experience uh, and it creates value. Uh, it also, of course, increases risk because if you make the wrong assumptions, you're, you're sort of screwed. But uh, I think that to me is a proactive experience. Uh, in contrast to that, I think uh, the broad consumer case, the, what we talked about earlier with the like the, the Google experience or like the, the one entry point experience, uh, I think you could do a bunch of stuff with just instead of me asking the the product or the AI to like give me recipes for the pasta carbonara, uh, it should just like figure out that I I'm probably in the mood for a pasta carbonara because of all of these data points that are already gathered uh, knows how much I slept, it knows how much, uh, like, what my heart rate is. I mean, <laughs> all of these things. Uh, I mean, uh, or like, you know, what type of sneakers do I want? It already knew I needed a couple of sneakers and, and it, it knew what type of brand and my shoe size and when I need them or where I want them. Uh, so, I mean, to me, it seems like we already have all the data to do all of these things. And it's interesting, just, but if we take that, and this is obviously like a billion, trillion dollar question, right? But if we just look at chat as like the primary chat and voice as the primary uh, reactive interface of AI so far, right? Where it's not proactive, it's reactive, right? And we have this free form open thing because you can ask it anything. And then people package it in different ways. And, you know, custom GPTs is a way to sort of use the same interface, but target kind of the capabilities and, and what you get out of it a bit more. But if you just think about it like as, in what direction would you look when you're exploring like a, a general purpose proactive interface? So if you think along like just in the UI, because what you just said, I could put that in my head if I want to into the chat interface. It's just a chat, but instead of waiting for me to ask something, it you know says, hey, by the way, do you want me to order pasta carbonara for you today? Or are your sneakers getting old? Here are the same ones you bought yes, like last time. You want them? Right? I could put that there. But if from your perspective, like, do you, do you like, if you just like approach this from first principles, like when we make the shift from reactive to proactive, what do you think needs to change, should change, has the opportunity to change in like the interface and the UI, the UX of it? I mean, I think um, um, if we look past the, the app paradigm and we think of it as a first of all, more centralized experience, I think, uh, Screens so it still make sense. I think voice, I mean, people are, are, many companies are still sort of hoping for voice to take off as an interface, but I still find it pretty awkward. Uh, and I can just anecdotally confirm this by living my life uh, that people are not that comfortable using voice uh, as an interface. You don't sit in the subway and, and ask your, your Siri for the pasta carbonara recipe, right? I mean, no one does that. Uh, so I think voice is overrated uh, outside of a very at-home, uh, private uh, setting. Uh, so I think it's going to be like a more of a sort of companion approach that follows you through life. Uh, <clears throat> and I think it's a screen interface. It, it's a visual interface, but it's probably more of a like a tiled like a tiled action list or something that's like dynamic. I could definitely see that type of experience 
completely replacing the the app paradigm. Could could you talk a bit more about that, that a tiled action list? What what do you mean by that? Uh, so like uh, this is just my my I mean my guess is just as good yes. as anyone else's obviously, but like I could definitely think of it as like a uh, a list of widgets uh, that are like dynamically like they customize to whatever it guess my intent is uh, throughout the day or throughout the week or whatever. So you could have like a mix of different time perspectives, uh, but I think most people are interested in what's happening right now. Uh, so I'm heading out from work, I'm going to the subway and it gives me like a list of uh, possible actions uh, for the remainder of the day or something. It's like um, in my phone when I pull down on this from the top of the screen to search for an app, it shows me uh, eight app icons, which I which I'm pretty sure is actually contextually like uh, estimating um, yes. where where they um, uh, yeah how they fit into my my current situation. Yeah. What are some real world learnings that you've made so far? Is there something we can to to round off this episode? Is there something we can um, um, share with uh, the listeners? Yeah. So I think from a from a design perspective, I think it's uh, it's not necessarily that different. I think if you're a if you're a experienced product designer and you you understand the uh, how to approach a complex user problem and break that down and, and execute on it. I think it's not that different. What AI does is that it's unlock, uh, it unlocks a new set of, of features and possibilities. Uh, so I, th- I don't think it's that different. Um, I think, however, that uh, what it, what is different is that it's uh, it's easy it's easy to come up with cool concepts, but it's hard to assess. Uh, how complex they are to actually make reality of. Uh, and that's really mirrored in in uh, current uh, state of the industry where we see a thousand really, really cool demos for every real world product that is coming out with, with actual AI features. Yeah, and then like with the board Gemini demo, it turns out it's like pretty fake. So yes. <laughs> yeah, so and I think, but it still gives you a hint of what's what's coming. And I think that's, uh, that's interesting, but I think for now, I think my recommendation is probably to, for companies to try to uh, keep it simple and to be creative, like truly creative. Try to be more intuitive and, and think out of the uh, LLM box, because I think that's a, a very it's it's a good starting point. But I think it's just one of many paradigms to come, uh, and I think. When we start training these models on like video and uh, more data-rich uh, uh, data sets, I think we will uh, see much cooler things happening. Awesome. Uh, do you have any any closing thoughts we can round off with? Um, I mean, I'm I'm just very very um, grateful that we we get to experience this uh, this shift. I think it's a uh, if not a life once in a lifetime uh, opportunity it's at least a once in a decade opportunity i think we we're just we are just uh, getting started yes 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Thomas. And thank you, uh, Rasmus, uh, and our listener for being with us through the episode. And uh, uh, we are going to talk a lot more about AI and UX UI in the future as well, with more guests coming in on that topic and others. And uh, so thank you so much, Thomas, and uh, have a really nice rest of the day. You too. Thank you.